Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on here? Resistance is futile. This, indeed you are, Paul, is Fan Effect. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fan Effect. Now, Disney's come up with some pretty magical and powerful adversaries to battle their heroes over the course of the past hundred years of movie making. You got the evil queen from Snow White, Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty, Ursula from The Little Mermaid, Gaston. I mean, we've got to have some guys in here too: Gaston and Jafar, Aladdin and uh, uh, and Beauty and the Beast. That's just a few. I like to make the argument for Isma from The Emperor's New Groove because she used magic and she's the funniest of all the bad people. But Disney has also shown a great desire to create live action versions of their many animated hits from the past. Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, Lady and the Tramp, Dumbo. If you have Disney Plus, you know what I'm talking about. More recently, Mulan. Now after the success of Angelina Jolie's Maleficent and its sequel, Disney's going back to the vault to make another live-action movie, telling us the backstory of an animated villain. And this time it's Cruella de Vil? <laughs> On the list of backstories that nobody really was asking for, Cruella de Vil has got to be pretty high up there. First of all, which Cruella are we even talking about? The animated version from 1961? Or the live-action movie with Glenn Close from 1996? Either way, what most of what we know about her was that she had black and white hair, she was a terrible driver, and she wanted to make coats of Dalmatian fur. Now, be honest. Were you really wondering why? But, having said that, low expectations going into a movie can often bring high enjoyment. And believe it or not, there are a lot of things that you can and maybe even will enjoy in Cruella and... Based on some of the sales from the opening week, I think a few people actually did enjoy it. Joining me for this episode is my co-host Kellyanne Halverson. Kellyanne, huge Disney fan. There was no way she was not going to be part of this one. And returning guests, it's been a while. She went off and had a kid and switched jobs. She used to be with us at KSL, but now she's an account executive at WE Codeword, which is one of the largest independent communication and integrated marketing agencies in the world. This uh, WE Communications helps craft stories for the most innovative brands in the world, including Fan Effect. Right, Natalie? Fan X. No, Fan Effect. She's got to craft yeah. us. Oh, she's crafting us. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's fine. That's fine. We want to tap into her talents. She <laughs> I, I also does to... Fan X, yes. But I specifically said Fan Effect. And, of course, she's been uh, uh, she's joined us before. She's a Fanex celebrity panelist and a contributor. And she's a giant geek, and that's why we love her. And even though she likes hockey and talks way about way too much about hockey, because we we're not a hockey show, Natalie. She can't know, even hear but... us, so she's not going to react, because I just, <laughs> just insulted I her. Do. She hung up. 
No, but Natalie, it's good to have you back. Welcome back. I know. I'm so excited. I miss you guys so much here my little island of, I guess, quarantine's opening up. But before that, it was an island of two children and a laptop. So good to hear from you guys. Well, and you've actually, uh, speaking of your laptop, I noticed that uh, you've been uh, pretty prolific online trying to help people who maybe aren't familiar with some fan related uh, things as you know as more and more stuff comes out in the media uh, you've been writing up a little blog to kind of help people who maybe aren't as familiar with some of the depths and the details of different fandoms to kind of help get them caught up so they don't feel like they're jumping into the deep end more like they're wading in from the shallow end yeah i figured a lot of people ask me about questions about marvel and disney and dc just a lot of things related to pop culture and so i started a blog called pop knowledge and Hopefully my husband and I were trying to see where this goes and maybe make a YouTube channel out of it. But, yeah, I'm just trying to help help the novice comic book geek um, learn just a little bit more so maybe parents will look more woke, as the millennials call it, with their kids. <laughs> so they can, uh, now to, the funny you say that is I, uh, this was year, uh, several years ago when the final book of um, uh, what's the one about the vampires and the werewolves? There's a ton of them. I know, but I no, 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 but Twilight. The, Twilight, yes. The final book of the Twilight series came out, and my wife had read all of them, and she got the new book, or I bought her the new book on the day it was released so she could have it. But then uh, I went to work, and I was like, I asked somebody who'd read it. I said, look, I need you to tell me a question that I can ask my wife that will sound like I've read the book. <laughs> Because I, she knew I hadn't read any of them. So I had him write me like three or four questions, and then I memorized them, and then I was at the sink doing the dishes, and I was like, hey, hon, I just got a quick question for you. And then I asked this question, and then I said, and, and what about this thing? And she, she kind of turns around from where she was with this half-puzzled, half-like, what's going on here kind of a thing. And I said, I just want to know, what did you think about that? She <laughs> Well, she said this, and then she's like, how do you, what, how, where did this question come from? I'm like, I'm a huge fan. Oh, my gosh. She didn't believe me. But that's the kind of thing. You're, you're, you're trying to help people, Natalie, to have that kind of moment with others, only without the having to explain, no, I really didn't know any of it after all. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of research on my end, but you guys know I love talking about anything pop culture, so it's not even a chore for me. So <laughs> I love it. Well, then let's dive into Cruella then. Uh, so we'll do a spoiler-free segment just on the offhand chance you haven't seen it, and maybe you're listening to the podcast just because you want to get an idea of whether it's worth your time and money. Uh, to be clear, at the moment of this recording, it is only available on Disney Plus Premier Access or in theaters. Mm-hmm. On Disney Plus Premier, you have to drop 30 bucks. But you do get to watch it as many times as you want. So it's good for big family. If you like it, or if you have you know a big family, you can. It's a little maybe a little bit more cost effective, or, or if obviously if you're skittish about going back to the movie theaters, which we hope you're not, since mm-hmm. our podcast is sponsored by Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters, the greatest place to watch a movie in Utah, and the best popcorn, and the best popcorn. So. Let's talk uh, general impressions, likes, dislikes, uh, and we'll go from there. Again, spoiler-free for now, and then we'll dig in with the spoilers a little bit later. So, uh, Natalie, you're our guest, so why don't you go first? Oh, there oh, we go. Oh, wow, she really didn't it. like it. It made her cry. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised how much I actually did like it. I almost, after going to the theater, went home and bought it on Disney+. Plus. Um, That's what I Disney thought, wanted you to do. Why didn't you do it? Because it became a matter of it was thirty dollars. I'd seen it, and it was mainly so my husband could watch it with me, so I could get his take on it too. 
But it was a really fun movie, and it made sadly made Corolla really cool. Mm-hmm. And Emma Stone's performance was absolutely fantastic, and I just ate up that movie as a Disney fan. Okay, how about you, Kellyanne? Um, I had the same experience. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. And it wasn't just because Emma Stone and Emma Thompson was just amazing in it. Their performances were awesome. But it was like the production value was just beautiful, stunning costumes, great cinematography, even like the color palettes and the art direction, the soundtrack. It was really a fun show. So I went in kind of thinking it was be like Maleficent, um, where I didn't really enjoy it too much. I felt like they they tried to make the story feel too too epic. This one I, I actually enjoyed a lot more and it was a really a fun ride. So I I went in with lower expectations and walked out pretty happy with what I saw and I don't know if I would buy it right now I'm, I'm the same as you Natalie I, I'll just wait till it's on Disney plus <laughs> but uh, I might which go see by it the again way I'm hearing is theater. July towards the July end of July is what they're thinking okay it was either July or August but uh, it was at least a month and a half before anybody would get to see it might be the end of summer I don't mm-hmm. know for sure I know they want to maximize the number of people who pay for it so mm-hmm. well, and it was fun be. seeing it in the, the theaters as well except for the the crying baby that someone brought in so was that someone natalie no <laughs> and just if kidding it, natalie if trying was, to throw you under the bus there and if it was i, like, I would be the the lovely honorary aunt and just take them out because I, I love the little kids <laughs> oh thank you nice no, recovery I, I alone by myself in the back i was in the back row by myself like live tweeting about my experience because <laughs> there's no one around me so i was like we should tweet this out on the pop knowledge uh, twitter account awesome. where this goes so it's fun <laughs> Well, I kind of agree with mostly what uh, both of you ladies said. My favorite thing was watching Emma Thompson and Emma Stone showdown against each other um, in this, like, you know, gorgeously outfitted cold steel stare. You know, that, that was that was really cool. A couple of actresses kind of at the top of their game. I, I really enjoyed the fashion, as you said. Um, I mean, I don't really care much about fashion, but even I could tell that it was an impressive look. And the, the soundtrack, you know, it... I, yeah, they probably could have gotten some slightly more obscure music from the late 60s and early 1970s. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking Disney. They can get the big tracks. Plus, you want to go with some stuff that seems familiar. Uh, if you're not ever going to show, other than the 1964, I think they showed 1964 for one of the time periods. Which, mm-hmm. what? no, no, the original Dalmatians was 1961. Um, I thought first was a nod to the original release date of the animated at 101 Dalmatians. Ah. But... At any rate, uh, they didn't show what year Cruella was older, but it's established that it's the 1970s. And you establish that by dropping soundtracks that you're like, oh, that sounds like it's from the 70s. Mm-hmm. So uh, visually, it was it was great. Uh, the actresses were great. The sound was great. Really, my overall thought was it's a fun movie to watch. Yeah. But I don't know if I would have enjoyed it more if I was just watching it as a movie and wasn't trying to connect it to the larger Disney universe. I mean, obviously, Cruella de Vil, it's a name that immediately jumps out because if, you, if you've ever seen the original, you sing the song every time you hear the name. And Exactly. And so I just didn't... This is going to happen every time they decide to do a villain origin story, and it's already kind of becoming a meme in and of itself. Is everybody asking, why do we have this mm-hmm. other than to make money? And, you know, it's a it's a clever way to, to imagine a thing new. So 
for me, it was almost like I enjoyed it more as just a movie movie as opposed to a Disney movie or a backstory of a known character movie. It was just fun to watch the ladies face off because it leaves you with way more questions than you had when you started the movie because you're like, okay, I see where, you know, this character, I remember this character, but maybe the biggest one, we could, I guess we could jump into this immediately, is how did Horace and Jasper go from two pretty cool guys to absolute bumbling idiots by the beginning of the animated 101 Dalmatians? But it leaves you with more questions than answers. You know, Jasper and Horace were the biggest ones because they were likable and kind of cool, and they're not even slightly either one of those in the animated movie. Mm-hmm. Plot things happen that... I, I don't know. I... I don't know. I, I wasn't like 100% on board. I don't think if I was reviewing movies, I would have necessarily dropped the $30 on Disney Premiere. Fortunately, uh, I share my Disney Plus account with one of my siblings, and he really wanted to watch it. And they mm-hmm. have two little kids, so he bought it. So I can rewatch it when I want to. But uh, it, it was a movie, but I, I don't like, you know, they're, they're selling it part as the Disney cachet, and, mm-hmm. and I just didn't know if it measured up other than visually to a Disney type movie. But that's me. See, and I think any... And I'm a boy. <laughs> I think of any of the villains I would want a backstory with is Cruella. Like, Why? Because, like... She went to school with what's-her-name? Why does that woman... Why is she friends with Anita? Anita's super sweet, and she's They went to school together. She said, Jesus, this is your old school chum. Still, still. Like, they're terrible. I wouldn't... I, I don't keep in contact with people I don't like. Like, they wouldn't That's know true, where I That's true, but it's live. not like Anita called Cruella and said, hey, come over and see my dog but in the cartoon version. Now, that, um, I will say well, this. Also, I why didn't would a see, woman... I didn't see the one with Glenn Close. What? So I what? don't know. Well, sorry. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I'm older than you, okay? That's why I didn't see it. I don't know what, other than I believe that she's a fashion designer specifically, I don't know what other, because I actually went on Wikipedia to read up the plot ah, uh-huh. of the 101 Dalmatians from 96. So I didn't know what things were kind of branching toward that movie versus the end. So all I really had was the animated version to see what it tied to. And I didn't know if they had made some deliberate, you know, links to... Well, Glenn Coase was one of the producers on this. So there, there's definitely yeah. some some links in it. There's some... Uh, it's kind of a blend. Uh, but, like, it's also very, very separate than than those other two as well. But Right, but isn't part of the selling point to go see it that it's linked to the other two? Yeah, but even like you look up Maleficent, and I never saw a second one because I didn't like it. It was very different than the original. Like they had the meet cute with Philip and and Aurora, and that was wasn't quite what was in the Disney animated. No, version. but they did a whole thing where it was it's a like retake, Maleficent, not a remake. Well, right, just, mm-hmm. but this one is a prequel. Mm-hmm. Is they, it? they call it that. If you here's a question: If this movie was called Estella Cruella, mm-hmm. and it had nothing, Disney wasn't promoting it. It was, it was from Warner Brothers. It was Estella Cruella, and you went and saw it. Well, first of all, would you go see it? Would you just go see it for Emma Stone or Emma Thompson? Maybe or are you going to, to see this because it it's Cruella DeVille? Mm-hmm. They'd have to mix it a bit. You're going to see it because it is Cruella DeVille. The storyline maybe wouldn't be able to stand up on its own um, as, a, as a Disney, but you're going because you want to see it connect into the universe, and also because all the promotional stuff they put out was just visually stunning and seemed a lot of fun, so... That, I think that's my my little take on right, that. Right, but you're going mm-hmm. to see it because it's a Disney movie. Yeah. So that's why that that to me was where the disconnect came in was mm-hmm. I'm going to see it because it's a Disney movie, yet it's kind of like I, I almost would it's rather have they didn't lead it into 101 Dalmatians. Like 
They didn't even introduce Roger and, and Anita at all. Like, if they didn't have him at all, it was just Cruella and Jasper and Horace, and then we could have just imagined that there's some stretch between the end of this movie and the beginning of the next one where, uh, you know, Jasper and Horace turn into absolute idiots. I mean, to be fair, Horace was kind of already halfway there. Have, have they talked about doing a third one yet? I know it's only been out for a few days now, basically, but usually no. they're like... Instant money grab. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't heard that they've announced a, another movie, but I don't know. I, Do you want to see another movie? I think it's great where it left off. Like, I agree with you, Andy. It didn't really connect at all because I was curious about Cruella because why does she? Why is she okay with, like, killing animals? Like, in the Glenn Close version, like, they, she has Horace and Jasper go get a white tiger out of the zoo, and then she kills these Dalmatians, and it kind of explains she it. She kills the Cruella, Dalmatians but, in the live-action one? No, they don't. Oh, but, I was like, wow, you know, they're, Disney's they're meant, really... They're meant to kill them. And so, but in the in Cruella, she has a dog, and she took care of Dalmatians, but it doesn't really leave off with giving a motivation to... Well, other than... Sorry, I have to... We're if we're going to talk about this, we got to go to spoiler territory. <laughs> All right. I mean, okay, how about this? But the movie gives us a reason why she could hate Dalmatians. That is true. It does. Which we'll talk about in the spoiler portion. It does explain why she, like... Sorry, Kelly, you're going to have to do so many edits. I've got to do a lot of edits. It's fine. I'm talking Natalie. I'm fine. I know. In the Glenn Close version, I mean, there's she has tons of furs and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it seems like Cruella doesn't hate animals in... She really cool. loves them. Well, this is a fine line to walk in the age of PETA and the Animal Liberation Front and things like that because in 1961... You know, maybe not everybody wore furs, and, and maybe it was just because they couldn't afford it, but it wasn't, like, considered a moral outrage in the way that it is today. So to revisit a character whose sole purpose was to commit moral outrage in the year 2021, mm -hmm. you're just asking for it. I mean, you can still set it in the 70s, but then all these modern sensibilities start creeping in, mm -hmm. which they did, um, which is fine, but it, it just... It ends up becoming a, a big bunch of contradictions. Now, this is for somebody like me who's watched lots and lots of movies. I'm pretty sure my kids wouldn't care one whit about any of the things that I just said. True. Maybe my <laughs> older ones would be like, eh, I don't remember why, how this tied into that. So having said all of those things, that doesn't make Cruella a bad movie. I just, you know, I, they were what they were selling me, I didn't feel like I got well, in many ways, it was a, a really a good movie. The set design, a lot of the story was really great. The interactions and relationships, the 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 relationship struggles and even like mental struggles, um, family wise, when it comes to Cruella, like there was a lot of really good story points in there that I think adds to uh, how much I enjoyed the movie versus just a prequel to an animated version. And I wonder because we've We've spoken about this with Beauty and the Beast, where your kids, they, some of your kids, they saw the remake before they saw the animated version. What's that going to be like if the kids see Cruella before they see 101 Dalmatians now? No, my kids have all seen 101 okay. Dalmatians. I made them at least watch the cartoon. <laughs> In fact, that was the only way I could, they wanted dogs. And I was like, yeah, hey, watch this dog movie. Mm -hmm. But always knowing that I have uh, the other Disney dog movie that I can show them at any time to get them over their dog uh, 
their dog desire. Which one? Old Yeller. Old Yeller? Oh, yeah. We're not getting into Old Yeller. <laughs> that was always the last card to play was, oh, you want a dog? Well, let's watch Old Yeller. Watch it's Old a great Yeller. movie about a man's best friend. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, about spoilers. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't spoil anything right there. It's like the episode Remember of Phoebe Friends. And Phoebe. Friends? Yes. She's never allowed to watch the end of Old Yeller. <laughs> <laughs> and it destroyed her. That's right. That's right. Oh, yes. It's such a fun movie. Wait, oh, what movie are you watching? Well, this this was fun. Like, oh, my gosh, there's so many good outfits and looks in there. And I loved the interactions between the Emmas um, and even a lot of the, the side characters and stuff are really great. There's a lot more dogs to love in it, as you probably have seen from, from the trailers. That made me super happy. Um, the little dog, Wink. So I love cute. Wink. I love Wink. How did that dog not run into everything? Well, with no depth perception. Did you not see the movie? He's yeah, pretty he amazing did pretty, for having he one did eye. Do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. Just smell, smell perception, <laughs> smell depth perception. Well, but despite all my complaints, I still gave in my review. I gave Cruella three out of four, but based almost exclusively on how much I enjoyed watching Emma Stone and Emma Thompson mm-hmm. go at it. I actually like watching powerful women like do their yes. thing. I, I don't. I've never had an issue with that, and so, you know, to me, the the best exchange was, and it's in the trailer, uh, is when you know she says, "You've got a lot of talent, but the question is, do you have the killer instinct?" Mm-hmm. And I thought that was there. There was some stuff to definitely enjoy. I have ever since I watched the movie, and I don't know, Kellyanne, if you, if I, I remember if I told you this before you watched it, but for a city of millions of people. <laughs> There sure are not very many people out on the streets of London in 1970s. <laughs> and it's pretty darn clean. Now, the reason, obviously, is that cost means you got to outfit everybody in 1970s attire, and that becomes difficult. But it's not like they were in the English countryside. They were in London. Mm-hmm. And that place is crawling with people mm-hmm. all the time and throughout its entire history. But at any rate, that was a very minor thing. But it was, it was very pretty. <laughs> all right. So we talked about kids. We talked about us. Do you think it's a good family film? Well, like, the question is, somebody asked me about that. Like, it's a PG-13 Disney movie, which doesn't happen very often. But the challenge is, I, I mean, there's nothing in it, I think, that uh, that any kids would have any issues with. And, and certainly it does fit the family film bill. There's nothing objectionable content-wise. I think mm-hmm. it was rated PG-13 for just some violence and thematic elements, Danger which include, you know, people dying uh, and in visual ways that maybe could be traumatic for kids. But um, it's more, I just don't think what makes the movie enjoyable is what little kids enjoy about watching yeah. movies. Maybe that's that's more my, my takeaway is my eight-year-olds may like it, but I don't know for what. It's not one that they'd put on my repeat. My teenagers would like it, mm-hmm. you know. I, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll watch it together since we have it, but... You know, I went. I watched it by myself because they were all grounded from television <laughs> when I screened it. But uh, that's a whole different story. They, they may not see Cruella for another month. There's still some work's got to be done around the house. But yeah, you still got them. To do but that yeah, one. families could enjoy it for sure. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Natalie, would you show it to your daughter? No, she loves the animated and the live action 101 Dalmatians. But I'm just one of those people that I thought Cruella was really cool in this movie. But I don't like it when the villain becomes sympathetic. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather have at least have her watch the animated version first, and then when she's older, just so she understands that like Crow's a pretty still a terrible person. But 
you know, this is her backstory and this is just a movie about her. So I'd rather wait till she's older and kind of comprehends who Cruella is and like why she makes these decisions in the film. It's more of a heist movie too. I don't think kids would be into a heist movie. It like like veers into a heist movie. It's not a heist movie. Then suddenly it is. And then suddenly it's not again. I was debating bringing my my nieces along, and they're uh, eight, and uh, the older one's about 10 years old. And um, I decided not to because of the thematicness of it. And I I agree with that because I think some of the struggles that Cruella has is a little bit beyond their capacity. And I think it's real. and I agree it's hard when you make a villain so sympathetic because her motivations aren't that great either so that's something i wouldn't have want to encourage as well so uh, maybe a little bit older children and then definitely teenagers are going to love it um people who who enjoy the music the style things like that are going to love it hardcore disney fans are going to love it and i think that's what they've got so far oh yeah Mm -hmm. hardcore disney fans like kellyanne love it yep natalie loves it but not for her kids and i'm a guy and i'm like eh I did like that the bad guy from Shazam was uh, was the butler. That was cool, and like that—that's yeah. another point. Is they have a couple of extra characters that they've put in there that you really like. Sometimes it, they feel kind of weird when you jam in extra characters, but these ones seem to to fit in pretty well. From the dog wink to the butler and others. Well, and Paul Walter Hauser, yeah, I think that's his name, who plays uh, Horace. He was uh, in Richard Jewell, and he was, uh, if you've seen Cobra Kai, he plays Scorpion, the the middle-aged guy who joins the, the karate dojo with all the teenagers. Love it. Hilarious guy, I hilarious actor. What's that? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't put that. I love Cobra Kai. I didn't put that together. I was sitting there going, like, this guy looks looks so familiar, but he's in Cobra Kai. That's who it is. It's Scorpion. See, I haven't watched it, but Danny brings it up almost every time we talk. Or Mongoose or whatever he went by. It was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, Cobra Kai's great. But at any rate, um, let's do this. Let's take a break so we can do a deep dive right after uh, this break here, and uh, then we can talk about all the spoiler stuff. So go see it. I mean, if you want to see it, go see it. Don't not see it. But if you're like... I, I, I really need a push to go see it, then just wait for it to come on regular Disney Plus is what I'd say, essentially. All right, so we'll take a break, and then we'll talk deep dive Cruella when we get back. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Effect Show, we're talking Cruella, the live-action Disney backstory of the villain from 101 Dalmatians. We've done the spoiler free. Let's get into the spoiler portion. Let, let's set the stage. The plot for Cruella 
essentially comes down to this. It's set in England in the 1950s and 60s. A young girl with black and white hair named Estella just can't seem to stay out of trouble in her prep school, and she gets kicked out. She eventually ends up in London all by herself and falls in with a couple of street thieves named Horace and Jasper. As time goes by, these three grow up and turn into Emma Stone, Paul Walter Hauser, and Joel Fry, who was in Game of Thrones and the movie yesterday. Their their little trio forms a family-type bond as they watch out for each other and become quite good at conning and robbing people. But all the while, the talented Estella burns with desire to be a fashion designer. Eventually, she gets a chance to work for and be constantly berated by the leading designer in London named the Baroness. That's who Emma Thompson plays. Eventually, Estella disguises herself as a mysterious avant-garde designer named, oh yes, Cruella. And she begins a guerrilla-type fashion war against the Baroness. Now, that's just the main line plot summary without any spoilers. Spoilers, Cruella gets her nickname from her mother, who says, you know, you're kind of cruel. <laughs> you're you're uh, we wonderful see, and we creative see and Cruella smart, born. You, you can be mean. We Don't see Cruella cruel. born wicked style. <laughs> oh, look at this horrible thing. <laughs> I didn't even make the connection. I love it. And then then the next thing we see is that they're, her single mom and her are living off somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then they hint at a necklace. She's got some rage in her, obviously, which is why she's her mother kind of gives her a nickname. I don't like Cruella, mm-hmm. this girl that you're being. And so, as they're moving off to London, since they get kicked out of um, out of private school, she gets kicked out of private school. No, she withdraws. Ooh, right. <laughs> yes, she withdraws one second before she gets kicked out. And then on the way, mom says, "I just have to make one stop at some." castle full of people that look like they're straight out of the renaissance or straight out of the straight out of king louis court the in the uh, 1800s <laughs> and she goes in to talk tells cruella to stay in the car which of course she does not and everybody's dressed in black and white and the next thing you know dalmatians are chasing cruella through the party estella that through one the party is black and white that one is uh marie antoinette yeah. Black and white. I thought that was the black one. That's why she brought the Dalmatians in the first place. No, that's just her dogs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, them. I mean, they were dressed like Marie Antoinette, mm-hmm. but I just assumed that was the black and white. I didn't <laughs> wasn't paying attention to close colors. That's why when she said this is the black and white, and then they and she did the black and white more than once. That's later. why I just sort of mm-hmm. assumed the first mm-hmm. one was all right. Good. I, I can be corrected on that. Uh, and then suddenly we see. Uh, uh, Estella running from the dogs. She hides. The dogs run past her and immediately go jump on her mother and knock her over the cliff to her death because Disney hates parents. They hate parents and they love falling deaths. Yeah. I mean, I know that from a dramatic story-wise thing, you got to give them something to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, But it's... Is there any person that can come from two parents and have challenges in their life? <laughs> Apparently not, according to the movies or Disney. And so Estella's mother is dead. Estella hides from the dogs who are still seeking her out. That's how she ends up in London by herself. Mm-hmm. She's at the fountain that they were supposed to go to, and suddenly two kind of doofus pickpockets show up, and she manages to follow them on their chase uh, running from the bobbies. Mm-hmm. And then she uh, ends up with them. Mm-hmm. Right, they're two dogs because she has her dog Buddy, and they have their dog Wink because it's 101 Dalmatians. 
prequel, you got to have more dogs. Yeah, you know, I knew they had dogs, but I wasn't, I just sort of was like, I, I, I assumed they were just sort of props to to make them more sympathetic because they're the bad guys in the next movie. Natalie, you brought up something right before. Why? Why? So you want your daughter to see Cruella as a bad person before you see her as a good person. Is that correct? Yeah. Why is that? I think it's mainly because... It's uh, a good question, Andy. She wants to skin puppies and wear their... Well, yeah. The, like, the thing is, I think it's... I hate it. I hate it in movies when... You have a really good character who's like just trying their best, you know, turn into like a, a Joker scenario, you know, okay. where they go down a really dark path. And so you see Corella already as like this, you know, psychopath because she really has no motive in the animated Hunter One Dalmatians to like go after Dalmatians. <laughs> but then you have Corella who is actually, she's smart and she's interesting. And she dresses awesome. I love that grunge look mm-hmm. that she has in one in the scene where she meets um, the guy that looks like he should be a part of Queen or something. Um, but I, yeah, I just want her to not be disappointed when a character that you kind of can look up to because you can look up to Cruella, and, you know, in this live action because you know she chooses to not kill her biological mother and instead finds a smarter way. And uses her talent to make it work. So that's why I don't want her to, you know, see Cruella as cool yet until she's old enough to understand that Cruella is not actually a very good person. Mm-hmm. Well, so then here's a question. And as a big Disney fan, uh, Kellyanne, I want you to chime in on this too. What's the motivation to make a movie about Cruella DeVille? What, let's try to put ourselves in, um, what's the guy's name who just stepped down from Disney? Iger? No, that's Eisner. Um, that's the old one. Uh, Iger. When they said, let's do, let's do this. I mean, I know they needed content for Disney Plus and, and et cetera. What, when they're like, let's do the backstories, why, why do you think they would pick Cruella DeVille? Is it just so they could cast Emma Stone? Is it just so that they could get these actresses in this movie? Because I just, I, I struggle to understand why they would pick this one. I mean, I'd almost be more on board with Ursula. Well, I think it goes back to even how Natalie mentioned is the the Joker film came out. They had a a movie where a villain became a yes, pretty Joker is an iconic. So is like, Cruella. No, the, she's not iconic. Oh, she's no. not iconic. They are big. The villains line at Disney is huge. It's almost as huge as the princesses now. Um, there's yep. board games. There's there's a yes, special. But, oh, she's at only Disney. included because they have to have more of them. No, like the main villains when you look at like their villain villain line, it's like Cruella, Ursula, Jafar. Hook. What does she do? She is like what every kid is terrified of is they're gonna take her bet their best friend, their puppy that they relate with, that they are version of themselves, steal it and then kill it to wear it, which is such a frivolous and horrible thing to do. And I, I think I think as they're looking at their their field of villains, you know, we've kind of seen the backstory of Hook a few times with different versions of Peter Pan. Um, they Maleficent went really well. What's another classic one that we'd want to know, not just the backstory of, like, and I, I go back to why would Anita be friends with her? Why would she want to do the dog? What? Let me give you a list then. <laughs> Let's start again. The Evil oh, Queen, Ursula, <laughs> Gaston, Jafar, Yzma. I would, Evil I would Queen care. we've seen. 
Jafar, we Where already see it. We saw it in Once Upon a Time, but we didn't get the whole thing. But other people have done it already. So we have to look at a Disney primary property. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think also they're looking at the time period and what's cool right now and what's been really popular right now. And they thought, okay, yes, we can mix in the fashion, mix in the grunge. Both the first one made a good success, and the the second one was a good success. There's been animated series about it. They've actually been pushing animals a lot lately with Disney Disney shows and merchandise and stuff. So Honestly, I think it was a total. I'd care more gonna about be good Scar's backstory. But, because all of these people had interesting that, things. Though. Think about this. They've I'm going to go back backstory. to what you just said. I'm going to go back to what you just said. What's the most terrifying thing to a little kid? I, I think you're mm-hmm. right. I think you've hit That's why bad. she works as a villain for a little kid's movie. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't demand the backstory for it. Do you see what I'm saying? But I think of all like that Ursula. range of villains. Why does Ursula hate? How did she end up getting her magic in the first place? Was she a human that got turned into a half-woman, half-octopus? Those are all questions sister. that I would be... Does that say that in the movie or is that um, in one of the direct-to-video sequels? It's hinted and it's kind of mentioned in the direct-to-video type stuff. Um, well, I don't count that as canon. <laughs> and same maybe with Scar. It in, maybe well, I knew Scar was the brother. And any, yeah, live action is coming up. We might get more Ursula. Yeah, they already have a live action, so they're going to do Ursula there. But not a Disney there. version. We've seen Hook. We've but seen... not a Disney version of Little Mermaid. They've done Little Mermaid, but it wasn't a Disney one. Well, they're doing it. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Okay. They're, so they already had that in the works. I really think it's a lot of it is remakes, retakes are popular, turning villains into heroes is popular, starting from, you know, Anakin, you know, like people okay, like Okay, then taking... maybe we do Cruella last because there's a lot more interesting villains to know the backstory. I don't know why you don't want to do Cruella. I just, I just never found her to be interesting. Like, I, I get the, the visceral. Natalie, did you find her interesting? In the yeah, 101 well, Dalmatians. Yeah. Well, as an adult now, I find her interesting, even mm-hmm. before the films, because you look back at the Disney villains and the backstories, and there's really no... I mean, yeah, Ursula doesn't have a backstory, but she's just... <laughs> I'll agree with Andy with that. There's really no backstory with most Disney villains, but they're, in 101 Dalmatians... Right, but in the movie, no, they like, present motivation. enough interesting things. In the movie, they present enough interesting parts that they, through dialogue or different things, that it's like, hmm, that'd be interesting to see... Why do we go back? Okay, if Ursula is King Triton's sister, where did the falling out come from? Was she the older sister and he ended up with the throne because he's a man? I'm going to go into that. And that's fine. That would interest me. That would interest me more mm-hmm. than Cruella DeVille. And I just, I'm because just Because Cruella DeVille was just there. She, I, she knew Anita from school, which, okay, so obviously Cruella's this pushy, overbearing type. When she, when you have something she wants, she'll just sort of barge into your house, which she did over and over again in the animated movie. And all of a sudden, what 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 does there need to be beyond that? Well, and what also bugged me from the from those movies when I was younger though is okay. So hell, the Hell Hall was very run down and gross and stuff. How does she even have this money to to get these dogs? How why does she have Horace and Jasper working for him? So I I just I disagree and say I'm one of those people that go if I had Ursula or Corella, I want to see Corella's story. It, okay. And it's just a difference and that's of fine. Opinion. That's fine. I just don't I don't get that. I I thought this just seemed like they wanted a vehicle to to feature Emma Stone and Emma Thompson and they did well with that. Which I'm going to take that as if that is the absolute winner of why they chose it. I'll take that too cuz that was they were awesome to watch together. But if they yeah, just called it Cruel Estella, I would have been just as happy. They, they could have named it that. And if you notice um, Disney's starting, like, even with the Falcon and Winter Soldier series and WandaVision series, there's, like, 
and John Walker out of um, the Marvel series, the comics just kind of end there. Like, they don't know what the next move is for these characters. So I think Disney's just having fun instead of, like, you know, remaking movies is creating um, movies from storylines that have already been written, if you've noticed that. Mm too. It's definitely partial well, money. Too. I mean, money's a given. Mm. The only reason movies exist is to make money. People don't like make a movie and be like, oh, I spent a million dollars on this. Please, everyone, enjoy it. <laughs> you know, it's they exist to make money. Studios finance the movies because they'll bring in money. So that's sort of a given. Uh, it's true that it's it's a money grab, but every single movie that's released, to some extent, is a money grab, and especially from a big studio. So I can concede that, but I just, that that's just, that, that was just mine. Like I, I, you know, the live action lady in the tramp makes sense. Let's see if it looks decent with real dogs as opposed to, I mean, they're CG dogs. And that's but, one that didn't make sense to me. So. But why not do it? Why not do it that way? Unless you didn't have the, I haven't seen it. Did the dogs talk in it? I didn't see it. Yeah. Okay, I good. They better talk because otherwise it would really be lame. It was one of Sarah's favorite movies for a while. I really, really didn't like Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> Live action, but I mean, if they try to do a live action Bambi, I'm out. Uh, now I got to look up if they're doing that. Bambi I'm, I'm is Google. like an hour and ten minutes long, and it really works in what it is and its time period. But if they're like, oh, "Why don't we do the backstory on the hunter from Bambi? Why did he shoot Bambi's mother?" That's oh, I know skit. because he's <laughs> hunting. He doesn't even have a name. He's just the hunter, and you don't ever see his face. They're not going to make a back Right, so that means that they have unlimited like... canvas to work with. Bambi, upcoming American photorealistic computer animated remake of the 1942 classic. The film was announced on January 24th, 2020, but no release date has been confirmed. So it's essentially Lion King. It's gonna, Yeah, it's going to be Lion King. No. So how many of them have they done? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I, I want like... new Disney. Like we we talked about in the old podcast, I mean, if you're gonna make a live action movie, don't make it word for word from the animated feature. Mm-hmm. Give us a new angle to it. So hopefully with Bambi, we'll see what happens. But I don't see any. Other Maybe we'll get the PG thirteen version where it focuses on Thumper. If you get my drift. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Goodness gracious, Andy! This is a family podcast. Family. Podcast. I said nothing. <laughs> You would not even let me talk about Game of Thrones on this podcast. I said nothing <laughs> objectionable. I said PG-13. I said Thumper. And t- tell me where I said something wrong. But I, look, I, Dumbo, everyone can say, was certainly inferior, the live action, to yeah. the cartoon. I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought mm-hmm. the, the Tim Burton style was an interesting take on it. And, you know, but it didn't work in what it was. It, it it didn't the add. problem with remakes is if you if you take you gotta you gotta figure out what the original is, mm-hmm. and then if you if you alter that fundamental you know chromosome of it, it's not the same thing. It's a ship of Theseus. There's your Wandavision reference. <laughs> if you replace the thing, which one is the true ship of Theseus? Both are true. Neither are true. But I digress. Okay. Either way, I think the live actions are just fun for adults. That's who they target with these mainly, you know, no little kid that has already seen the animated version when they're like, you know, eight years old is going to want to go see the live action version. They're fine with the animated version, but as it's also up, shorter. We want to, 
This movie's two hours and 15 minutes. That's another challenge for little kids to try to watch it is the length of the movie. And I did get to that point. I'm like, how long is this? Like, I feel like we've had three different climatic moments in this show. It just keeps going and going. Like, mm. You know, I think... To me, it feels like direct and directors want to be original. I get mm-hmm. it. Sometimes when they're working on an existing intellectual property, and this has happened, I know, with some of the Marvel movies and even to some extent uh, the Star Wars movies, they want to do their thing, but they're also constrained by what the property is, what it represents, and what people expectations they have for it. Because for better or worse, we do have expectations with certain things. If you're going to make Captain America a bad guy, then you've got to have that resolved fairly quickly. And it has to have been some kind of misunderstanding or accident. Um, if you're going to make a movie about, you know, I think Taika Waititi's actually probably been the most original with mm-hmm. what was originally a, or what was a, an existing character and story and was able to tweak it in a way that still managed to work while still being fairly radically different from what it was before but for the most part directors have left marvel and star wars movies because they're frustrated that marvel's keeping the reins a little too tight we want it to be this way and the directors say well i kind of want to put my own stamp on it and i don't blame them for that because they're like if you just want somebody to do what you say you don't need me you could get somebody else who costs less than me and i could work on a project that i want to do all that makes sense and you know maybe i agree to with it to a large extent but with Cruella, it felt like it was, well, we can't go straight to the where the story goes, which my brother, one of his things he hated about the prequels of Star Wars mm-hmm. was that he's like, you have the three movies. You have Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. You know where the characters end up. Why can't you write to some key points? You know, if, if Obi-Wan Kenobi tells Luke this story and then you make a movie that's like three hours of not what Obi-Wan told Luke, mm-hmm. well, then you're you're altering things. Either now you're making him a liar or you're you're just you, you forgot what you'd had him say. You know, as a fan, you you know, you're going to this in part to look for the connective tissue between the two. And so. When you throw in loops like Cruella bought Purdy and Pongo for 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 Jim and Anita, you know that. I mean, I can take that the Dalmatians killed her mom. Mm-hmm. That even could explain why she hates Dalmatians. But then other things happening, like she's a fashion designer. Oh, and here's something funny. Now we're just griping. Well, she was fashion, now she I'm was just fashion griping. in the in the 1996 version. Here's some funny things about yeah. Disney. They're okay with uh, the mom getting killed on screen. But heaven forbid if Cruella smoked a cigarette in this movie. Oh, yeah, she didn't smoke at all in it. No, because no you don't like put smoking in, in yeah. movies anymore, especially not kids' movies. Isn't that a rating thing right now, though? Like, it'll actually bump up your, your uh, yeah, rating. Perhaps. And it's already this PG-13. Has, this has depictions of tobacco use. Mm-hmm. But yep. that's what I'm saying. Like, what's the f- literally the first thing you notice about Cruella when she walks in in 101 Dalmatians? You notice two things. She's sickly skinny Her and she's got a things. big old giant cigar- cigarette on those on one of those sticks. And the cigarette smoke follows her around. She waves the thing around wherever she goes. Look at when it was filmed, though. Everyone smoked. No, I know. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. So the or, sensibilities of the time right. creep in mm-hmm. now to prevent it from being kind of what it was then. Uh, you know, they, they had little nods, like she's a terrible driver. Why? Because she never knew how to drive. But then she inherited all this money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they start to explain things. He, uh, Hellman Hall becomes Hell Hall. Okay. They did some good connected tissues, but 
that almost makes it more frustrating with the with See, the, with I just the veers that, into oh, right and left field. This isn't a direct prequel. Like I ha- you have to kind of step away and, and be like, it's in the near universe of. But I don't think it's a like a direct sequel. You can't go. Yeah. You can't go, Cruella. And then splint the 1996 and the 61 version. Well, then how about what if you did this? What if you made a um, a Thanos movie with Josh Brolin? Thanos toddlers. A whole bunch of things have, you know, either contradict or completely change. You know, like let's say the, the planet, when he goes and destroys Gamora's planet, and in it he um, he kills Gamora and then builds her into an android. And so it really was android Gamora the whole time. Would that bug you? If a that's little bit. A little bit, but at the same time, like... Would you be like, oh, no, 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 this is just a Thanos a adjacent to the Marvel Universe. <laughs> but this is totally an adjacent. Like, it's not an exact prequel, because it, it, it doesn't go exactly But like why not? Before. They didn't meet in college. But why not? And, and Anita and, and... No, she said old schoolmate. She never said college, because oh, I went back to check that. particular there. Uh, well, she also wasn't black. Like, you can't be too literal. Well, I can take racial changes. I really can. But you can. can't take a, a, a story changes? No. I think your your idea is a little too rigid, particularly when it's not presented as like a uh, a universe like the Star Wars universe where you have to have them all in order. This is more of an in the playing field. I, I the well, adjacency let's, of. Let's do it in reverse then. Let's say Cruella <laughs> came out first, and it was the Disney movie that released this movie about a fashion designer, and then they released 101 Dalmatians the cartoon. Which would you have a harder time accepting? You would be mad in the in the 101 cartoon because you'd be like, why is she, she already proved that she wouldn't skin a dog. Why is she yeah. wanting to skin a dog now? So it just wouldn't mesh there either. It'd be like, why did, we'd be sitting here arguing about why they took the hero of this film of Cruella and made it into a villain for the next one. And, and they chose these two random characters, Roger and Anita. What, what was that about to become like the heroes of it? This was a bad straight to movie. Like it, it, we would just be having a different kind of, argument but why isn't it the same for both directions then because in our in our world today couldn't you just say oh no no this is adjacent to cruella instead cruella is actually evil because it wouldn't be as good if if it was and it wouldn't be as good and they wouldn't have the same fashion angle or stuff it was if it was just directly leading into one another i i still think you could have the fashion things go directly i think there are little differences that don't click the movies together, but I think there are more more similarities that do connect the movies than anything. Like, I was waiting for them to explain, like, why DeVille Manor was burned to the ground and mm-hmm. things like that, because that was never explained. But maybe there's things that happen in between that <laughs> explain why, you know, Cruella gets more angry at animals and why Horace and Jasper mm-hmm. become more dumb. Because Horace, honestly, was probably one of my favorite characters besides Cruella, because he's, like, the one that was trying to keep, you know, Estella from turning in too much into Corolla and things like that. But it didn't it didn't really bug me. I but I, in just in my head I was trying to figure out ways of how they could connect with each other. But mm-hmm. it didn't bug me too much, to be honest. Okay. It was just a fun movie to watch. It's one that you have to accept in order to move forward, just like we were talking we've talked about yeah. before. It's a necessi- it's a necessi- necessity of the story to to accept it. But like there, there was a lot of really good stuff in the movie. Once you do accept that reality, um, although I, I do think there's some of those writers must really hate moms. Like 
moms dying, evil birth moms trying to kill or get rid of their kids. Like, <laughs> even the fact that when Cruella finds out the truth that her mom isn't her, her birth mom, she's mad at the mom for trying to get her to behave as a child. But, like, every mother would do that. She's a great mother. She let her explore her genius, explore her talent, stood up for her in school no matter what, um, sacrificed her life in order to do that. Just because her mom was like, hey, I need you to try to behave and don't be Cruella doesn't mean she was a bad mom and she and that as a grown up finding out that she she should have felt some sort of like her mom lied to her or anything like that. Like, ah, whoever wrote this does not like mothers. Well, <laughs> I feel like with most Disney, when you're trying to get rid of the parent, mm-hmm. it does because you know for kids, their mom, their dads, or their rocks. If you know, mm-hmm. if I was to go away, you know, Sarah and Luke would be totally lost. So I think that's why they get rid of parents is it makes the characters more independent and it allows you know, them to do things kids, that they couldn't do if the parents were yeah. around. Yeah. Just get excited because you know even as i love my parents if they listen to this i love you guys but you know sometimes the kids are like man like i could get away with so many things if i didn't have parents i was like that i could be one of the lost boys or you know i was convinced i was a lost princess and someday my 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 real like queenly mother would would come find me you know because how horrible i'm being put in time out for being something terrible doing something (laughs) terrible (laughs) princess kellyanne (laughs) Yeah, they get rid of the parents a lot, and you do need that for that. But even, like, does it – that she had was so mad at Catherine, her mom that raised her for 12 years. And it was the Baroness that was a a totally evil person. I don't – there just seems to be this writer's not liking. Well, that's the question. One. To me, the question was, do you believe that Cruella was tempted when Emma Thompson was saying, like, you know – you need me. Like, you've flourished under me. Like, I've treated you poorly, but look what you've accomplished from that. It's sort of the, uh, what was the movie with uh, Miles Teller and uh, J.K. Simmons, the, uh, where he's the drummer. It, well, it got nominated for Academy Awards. It was the, it, how cruel can you be if it brings out the best in the person? Mm-hmm. You know, how, it, does that justify it? And so the question is, was Cruella really tempted by the Baroness's offer? I don't think she was offering, though. She was offering to continue using her. Well, she said, you've made it, you or me. But then when the Baroness realized she lost, she's like, okay, well, let's let's join together. I think Cruella saw through that, Mm -hmm. honestly. I don't think she was tempted at all. Well, but then that's the the question. The Baroness didn't want the baby, but the Baroness is now intrigued by this very talented offspring of hers who's also very good at design. And the but Baroness more knows for- mortality, but then, you know, she went to she went to wipe Cruella out. She had the dogs drop her off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Well, she and she's killed more than one person. That's been revealed in the fire scene when she's like, who was your mother? Which one? And she was willing to, to kill her child. She was willing to kill anyone that got in her way. And it was a total manipulation when they're at the cliffside that, that last time. It, I think Estelle looked straight through that. She knew exactly what was going on. I don't know. I thought she looked tempted. I knew she wouldn't take it. But the question was, was she tempted? Because if she wasn't tempted, then what's the point? What's the point of showing that even may offer other than the Baroness For the is satisfaction desperate? of the Baroness. <laughs> to show, like, how selfish this Baroness is. Mm-hmm. Like, because that whole motivation wasn't to help build, I think, to help build Cruella. It was to help No, no, no. It was never to build Cruella, but it was. Daughter. It was a trap. It was Because now that she has this knowledge that it's her daughter, she has a way to manipulate her and take her down i feel like that's what the baroness would have done 
I don't huh? feel like the Baroness was doing it out of being selfless. I think it was more of... No, no, not selfless, not at all. It was Everything she's done yeah. is selfish. But the, I, I'm not asking about... I'm just asking, was Cruella tempted no. by the offer? No. She that's what she, she wanted. She wouldn't have sewn that's a parachute skirt if she, if she was tempted by that. Or Maybe had she the, wasn't like, expecting that. Or had she was everyone come out onto the veranda. She was expecting to be killed. She wasn't expecting the offer. No, of course she was. I think she was. Her mother already offered to kill her once. Her mother thought she was dead once because she'd ordered him, ordered her killed as a baby. So, I'm just saying, Cruella showed that she was struggling with this idea, the reconciliation between the woman she thought was her mother and the woman who actually was her mother. I guess it's just a disagree moment. Like that's okay. (laughs) You can be wrong. No, just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Andy calls me wrong. Surprise, surprise. Well, if there's only other one other option, and that's that I'm wrong. <laughs> well, what we've learned today, Andy, is that you're wrong. And you're me and Kelly are always right. Dang it, I've Corella been voted is down. a great villain. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I liked all the kind of Easter eggy type stuff that they, they mixed in there as well from – even just the 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 costuming to when she when they're she's pretending to be a maid and they're stealing from the hotel on the screen there was um, uh, the actor Tallulah Bankhead and she laughed and that was very much her style and her laughter is what inspired Cruella's character yes. I'm like oh that's so cool um, just all these little little moments of people looking like their dogs and um, it, it was just there was a lot of fun little Easter eggs throughout it as well that I really really enjoyed. Again, those are the things that frustrated me, too, because by throwing those in, you're, you're making me look toward the other one, and then you're making these, these massive turns. Tension. To me, it's all about the, the tension. It's the main reason that I'm like in the weird minority who gets frustrated by watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, I love Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Because it, the, 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 the key point was the character of Charlie. In the book, Charlie was the only one who didn't give in to the temptation. Mm-hmm. And when I watched Willy Wonka and him and Uncle Joe sneak off and drink the soda, and the only reason that Charlie wins is because he gives back the gobstopper, I was so mad. I've been mad I was that. so mad. Like, as soon as Charlie drinks the soda, I was like, what is he doing? Like, that's not Charlie. I don't know who that is, but that ain't Charlie. So then when they came out with the Johnny Depp version and they actually stayed true to the Roald Dahl material, I liked that much better. I know I'm in the minority. Everybody (laughs) loves Willy Wonka and hates Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But I liked Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp because it stayed true to the main character of Charlie Bucket. I just like Johnny Depp, so I'm I'm fine with that. Wait, then do you like... Do you not like The Force Awakens then, Andy? Because Force Awakens is a lot of Easter eggs in there. And they put the Easter eggs in there because, you know, it gets fans excited. So I'm sure that's why they did it with... Yeah, um, I'm on record as I didn't really enjoy The Force Awakens. I'm quitting this podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) I thought Force Awakens was a giant copy of the original Star Wars. It was, but it got fans excited about it still and pulled them in to watch the next three movies. Cemetery. I I didn't say that it was... the. A terrible movie. I just I didn't like it that much, and all the Easter eggs. Uh, depending on the callback, I thought they did a good job of introducing some of the other, you know, like the callbacks to some earlier characters. But um, yeah, if that was the only reason, that's not the only reason that I would have liked it or disliked it. I disliked it for other reasons that became more clear over two more movies. But <laughs> anyway, I don't need to rehash that. We, we that'll, that'll get there. Uh, I'll get to a Star Wars one way or another. I, I think it's funny that. 
just the differences between the different things that bug us. Like, what always bugs me is kind of practical production type stuff. Like, they would have opened up that the vault to check the dress before. They would have had a dress rehearsal to see how it looks on the model, how it looks on the lights. When they go out to the fa- the fountain and there's the big show, show there, like... How did you That's practice true. that? Why didn't the cops come? Why didn't her security people notice that, hey, Corella is setting up right across the freaking street. You can't see the dresses because the lights are down. Like, you know, even when, like, the truck runs into the um, the police station to escape them, like, how do you know you're not going to get hurt? The truck is going to work again. <laughs> I get distracted yep. well, by no, these practical Especially if you've ever stuff. done some of those things before. It's like when I watch The Quiet Place Part <laughs> 2 and they're trying to go into a radio studio and you're like, oh, that's not, the, that wouldn't happen. That's that's incorrect. See, and that's my problem. I think that goes back to even when we're talking about a prequel, does it, does it go in? You have to just accept things in order to move forward with the story. That's true. Like, and, and the whole point of a story is to help you recognize something, learn something, be entertained. And so if you're a little curmudgeon of every little detail, you're never going to enjoy films. So you got to just sit back, relax, enjoy the costumes, enjoy the, the comedy, enjoy the music, and accept the fact that she wouldn't notice that the dress was full of freaking moth cocoons. And she wouldn't have looked at the fabric and felt the fabric and seen, what the heck did you do to me? <laughs> That was a very Ocean's Eleven moment, and I appreciated the moth part. I did. Where she had, yeah. It was very pretty. That to happen, but it was really fun to watch. I like how you said it turned into a heist movie, and I'm like, oh, that is such a fun description of it. It was. Mm -hmm. Suddenly the necklace was the point of everything, and then suddenly it wasn't. So Mm -hmm. it veered a few times. I gave it three stars. I mean, you guys make it sound like I trashed this and said no one should see this movie. This is in depth. I gave it three stars, but... The, the the thing that I had the hardest time with was that I was I was invited for this premise and then I wasn't given I wasn't given it the way I felt like I was invited in. That that's that's where the disconnect comes in. That's why I said it's a fine movie and I enjoyed it, but I I feel a little bit betrayed at going in and watching it as a as a prequel in air quotes to hundred and one Dalmatians either version because I just felt like they they tweaked too many things and and to me the best thing i could describe was if you reversed the order would you be incensed that these were the characters that came out of this movie so if you're incensed by it going that direction why wouldn't you be incensed the other direction like you know you can make so that it seems like they're on a logical path towards that and i just i just don't know if i felt like they were on a logical path towards the place that they were with the thing that i already knew well that's where you and i are very similar with it, andy is that they make Corella cool, and she's not supposed to be cool. She's supposed to be this really mean human who hates dogs and is really a villain and not someone who you're, like, leaving the movie going, like, yeah, cool, awesome, when she's really not a great person. So <laughs> I can agree with you with that. That That's the only part that really bugged me, but just like me and Kellyanne were talking about, just take the movie as it is, as, as kind of its own film, and enjoy the Easter eggs while you're watching it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a great place to to end this. Uh, Natalie, we're so glad to have you back on the podcast once again. Thanks for taking some we'll time to, to join with us. For Black Widow. Oh yeah, we've got <laughs> oh, more yeah. stuff. Black, Black Widow in July. Widow. So excited. <laughs> and uh, of course, you know, we we look forward to seeing you again in person. Hopefully at Fanex, if not at one of the movies before then, mm-hmm. uh, at the very least at Fanex. And we're glad to have you back. And one more time for me, can you tell our listeners where you can find your, your blog that you're explaining all these nerdly things? 
So you can either follow our Twitter page, which is pop underscore knowledge. And our blog is, I will get that to you. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a fancy blog yet. We're just seeing where this goes first. But I think it's popknowledge.blogspot.com. Awesome. And we're so excited your, your daughter was able to join us too. Yeah, Luke and Sarah very much love Disney. So if you ever need children's reviews. Yay. Oh, he just yeah, told us what he thought. He agreed with me. I knew I liked him. He agreed with me about Cruella. Luke, yeah, well, good, good word too, there. So. He's a blonde named Luke. He already has got two things going for him in my book. Yeah, I if bet. his middle name's Andrew, then uh, I think I may call him my godson. And he's your godson then because that's his middle name. Shut <laughs> up. What? You're kidding. I'm not. My I husband's name is Andrew. love it. Oh, my gosh. There you go. All right. I now have a godson. <laughs> All right, Natalie, we'll catch you on our next episode that uh, we, we need you, and we're grateful that uh, you took some time. Yeah, I'll see you at Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fan Effect. That's E-F-F-E-C-T. It's a KSL News Radio podcast. Beyond sci-fi, fantasy, gaming, and tech, we're excited to share with you our knowledge and arguments on everything pop culture and fandom based in the beautiful Beehive State. Fan Effect celebrates Utah's unique fan culture, and we're excited to bring you local guests that feel the same way. Kellyanne Halverson, I'm Andy Farnsworth. Listen regularly on your favorite platform at kslnewsradio.com, kslpodcast.com, or on the KSL News Radio app. Do you have a fun idea or a local fan culture topic you want us to explore? Let us know by messaging our Fan Effect page, our Facebook page at Fan Effect Show, where you can also get the latest nerdly updates and join the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at Fan Effect Show and on Twitter at the same handle. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to have you back real soon for another episode of Fan Effect, brought to you by Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.